It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, we're going to recap the Thunder's first seeding game against the Utah Jazz. We're also going to preview the second seeding game against the Denver Nuggets. This show is brought to you by RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. The Thunder are a fun team to watch. They just are. They're, they're a fun team to watch, and and, and you can attribute that to uh, the pressure not being on this team the way it was uh, for the last decade with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, uh, you know Paul George. But they're a fun team to watch because they do everything right. There was no mistakes made against Utah, but let, let's start with the game overview. Uh, of course, this was the first ever game this season. Uh, this is what tipped off the Thunder season was against Utah. It was the last game before the hiatus, and it was the first game of the Thunder restart. Everyone was available. Terrence Ferguson said his leg was 70 to 80%, but he was ready to go compete. So everyone was available for this game. And then everyone on both teams kneeled uh, in this game. And I've made my stance known on this. I love what the NBA is doing. I love what the players are doing. Uh, I only bring this up because of the idiotic representative from Hominy, uh, who has now uh, given the fuel to the fire of uh, the national media to make headlines such as lawmakers in Oklahoma claim uh, that if the Thunder kneel, they're going to lose their tax benefits. First of all, it's a representative from Mahomedy. All right, let's, let's, let's set that straight. A uh, town with 2,000 people, uh, he's not doing anything. He's, he's just not. He, he's not capable of doing anything. It's a, it's a representative from Mahomedy. I didn't know what Hominy was before he opened his mouth. I've lived in Oklahoma 22 years. I had no idea what Hominy was. But it's people like that that create a stigma around our state. And for a representative to talk about tax breaks, by the way, ridiculous. Give, give me a break. But especially uh, when you consider he's from Hominy. He, he has no influence on, on anything. He's basically just a puppet figure. He, he's, he's rendered meaningless. Now give me a break from hominy. And furthermore, uh, I don't care what the Thunder do. If they kneel, if they don't kneel, I'll support them and their players for making that decision. Just looking at the organization, if you take the Thunder out of Oklahoma City, the city is nothing. We're so proud that they're a top, five, that they're a top 25 city now. Uh, we're so proud uh, of the downtown area and, and the plaza and how it's been uh, overhauled in my lifetime. That doesn't happen without the Thunder. We need the Thunder more than the Thunder can need us. It's as simple as that. If they go back to Seattle, if they go to Kansas City, if they go to Louisville, if they go to Las Vegas, if they go to any of these, any of these other markets that want an NBA team, they're going to be just fine. 
Now, look, this conversation has been overblown by the national media, so I'm not going to continue to do that. It means nothing. It's a representative from Hominy who's trying to stir up a specific fan base because he's a Republican and wants to get reelected in November. That's what it is. He wants to stir up the 3,000 people in Hominy and make them feel heard, and he'll get reelected. Bottom line, it means nothing. Nothing's going to happen to the Thunder. They're not going to lose their tax benefits. They're not going to move. They're not going to do anything. But get one thing straight. If you side with this representative from Hominy, the Thunder don't need Oklahoma City. They have revitalized Oklahoma City. They've made Oklahoma City a top 25 city. They can pack up and leave and be perfectly fine and still be worth billions of dollars. So I'm going to move on from this topic. Everyone kneeled. I love the players kneeling. I, I love it. I love the Black Lives Matter on the court. I love getting their message out there uh, and uh, really having to have a conversation. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, Andre Robertson yesterday wore I'm a man on his jersey instead of wearing peace or uh, vote or anything like that. He wore I'm a man. Uh, and that's a phrase that I don't think a lot of people understand what it means. And so I wonder just how many people looked that up yesterday. I wonder how many people were watching a game with their kid and then they asked them, you know, they asked their parent, what, is, what does that mean? What, what does I'm a man mean? And that sparks a conversation. So I love everything the NBA is doing. I did want to mention that because people are kind of overblowing and overstating uh, this trashy, ridiculous email from a representative from Hominy. Like, give me a break. But let's get into the basketball because the basketball was awesome on Saturday night. Or Saturday afternoon, actually. Uh, the first quarter... It starts out with Delano Gallinari with a and-one dunk to start the game. And when Gallo is powering his way to an and-one dunk to start the basketball game, you pretty well know it's going to be a good game. And he scored six of the first ten points. The big storyline yesterday, or one of the biggest, because there's a lot to get into, uh, was Donovan Mitchell just being absolutely dreadful. He starts one for four against Lou Dort, and Lou Dort gave him fits all night long. It was so fun to watch Lou Dort go up against Donovan Mitchell last night. And we'll talk about Dort a lot later on. But the first off the bench for the Wings was Diallo again, and basically got in there as well before Ferguson did. Ferguson uh, doesn't see the floor until garbage time. You can say that it's uh, the injury, but even when he's fully healthy, this was happening in the scrimmages. I think he's falling out of that rotation. I really do. Uh, We'll talk about the end of the bench rotation in a little bit, but It was important to note that Diallo was the first one off the bench, and Baisley uh, quickly joined him after that. Uh, Baisley was awesome in the coast-to-coast drives, but the big storyline of the first quarter was the defense, and I think that this defense demoralized the Jazz, and and it really caused them to win this basketball game. Uh, At the end of the 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 first quarter, you had three blocks, four steals. The Jazz were shooting 16% from three and 33% from the field, and I'm, I'm not even counting the full court missed shot at the buzzer. So if you put that in there, of course these percentages go down because he missed the full court shot. But take that last shot out, that doesn't mean anything. You held them to 16% from the three and 33% from the field. That is demoralizing uh, for a basketball team. You held them to 15 points in the, fir- in the first quarter. 15 points in the first quarter. You led 29-15 at the end of one. Mitchell had four points. Their top guy, Donovan Mitchell, had four points. And I mentioned on the preview, this Utah team's not good. They they weren't good despite being the fourth seed. They weren't good with with Bogdan. They're not good without him. That offense is carried by Bogdanovich, not 
Donovan Mitchell. And that's not really an indictment on Donovan Mitchell, but he can't do it himself. And whenever he goes up against a Lou Dort, when he goes up against even a Hamidou Diallo, you cannot do it alone. And no one on that team can create his own shot. Bogdanovich could. Bogdanovich, while a great three-point shooter, was not just a spot-up guy. He was a really good shot creator. And he really helped out Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell got no help yesterday. And the Jazz were down by 20 points for 90% of this basketball game. And they lost this basketball game. That's how it goes. Whenever you don't give any help to Donovan Mitchell. And whenever Lou Dort frustrates him to death. He couldn't. He was never in a rhythm, no matter who was guarding him, because this Thunder team does have a lot of deep defending wings. It was awesome. The first quarter was awesome, and you hope that they rolled into the second quarter and did the same thing, and they did. Then Schroeder comes in and gets three fouls early in the second quarter. That was very important because um, at this point the game was in hand. You know, of course they were not iced by any means because in the NBA you see comebacks all the time, but it's not like he he got three fouls early in a pressurized situation, and, and you're in a two-possession game, and now you got to scramble. You had a little bit of a cushion here to pull Dennis Schroeder with three fouls, and let's see what life is like without Dennis, because he's going to leave the bubble for the birth of his kid. Let's see how this team operates without Dennis. So this was awesome to, to see Dennis Schroeder get the three early fouls. Of course, you'd rather have him uh, be able to play in the game, and this really caused him not to get in a groove offensively until late in this basketball game. But let's just stay in the second quarter for a second. They started shooting threes, and by they, I mean the Thunder. At halftime, they had a 50% uh, from three-point range. It was awesome to watch them shoot threes. I don't know what got into them. Uh, The uh, big story was Shea and and Diallo getting two for two, Shea getting two for five, and and Gallinari going two for six from three. Um, Lou Dort also added you one, and so did Chris Paul. Baisley added you two more as well. Uh, He was in that that two three-pointer range. They were shooting the ball effectively from three. They ended up for the game 38% from three, which is still really good. Uh, but at halftime, it was 50% from three. If, you, if you're going to tell me, again, you look at these numbers, if you're going to tell me that I'm going to get two two or three three-pointers from Gallo, two from Baisley, two from Diallo, two from Shea, you know that Chris Paul can get you more than one if you need him to. You just didn't need him to in this game. And then whatever Lou Dort can provide you, uh, he took a step back from three, went one for five whenever he was lighting it up in the scrimmages. Goes one for five yesterday. Uh, but that's no big deal to me. That's not an indictment on him, I, I don't think. I just think that it's a off night from three. We'll see what he can do tonight against the or today against the uh, Denver Nuggets. But anyway, uh, this team is shooting threes at a high clip, and they're doing it effectively, which is shocking, to say the least. If you've been a Thunder fan since they moved to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, the big gripe for every single team has been get three-point shooters, get guys who can shoot, get guys who can shoot, get guys who can shoot. Every draft that comes around, everyone jokes, okay, Presti's going to draft a guy who can defend and can't shoot. Well, now you got Gallo, who's a three-point shooter. Baisley's turned into a three-point shooter. And with Baisley, you've seen a bigger sample size than any of these young guys. If Diallo can legitimately shoot now, now I don't think he's going to go two for two every night. But if he can legitimately stretch the floor a little bit, we know Shea can shoot. We know if, if needed be, Chris Paul can shoot. You start going down that line here. Again, if you need a spark plug, Muscala can, can go in there and shoot a couple three balls. Nader can shoot a couple three balls. If you start going down the line, this team's a good three-point shooting team. It, it, it sounds weird to say that because we've never been able to say that uh, for the Thunder. 
but this team has the potential to finish out this eight seeding games and go into the postseason as a good three-point shooting team. That's something to watch for moving forward. Uh, and one of my what to watch for was the young players staying aggressive, and they did that. These young players, I'm talking about Baisley, I'm talking about Diallo, I'm talking about Dort, they were aggressive. Most notably, Diallo and Baisley, they were driving at Rudy Gobert. And this is not to pick on Russ, but to show you how, how hard that is, you go back two years ago in that, in that playoff series. Russell Westbrook, who is one of the best drivers in my lifetime, again, 22 years old, so that's not saying all that much, but I think that he's historically a great finisher at the rim. Uh, he is amazing when driving to the hoop. And he was afraid. I mean, let's call it what it is. He was afraid of Rudy Gobert two years ago. He would not drive to the basket. He would not mix it up down low. Now, you fast forward two years, Baisley goes right through Rudy Gobert. Shea goes around Rudy Gobert. Goes into him and then goes up and under him. Steven Adams shooting over Rudy Gobert, backing him down a little bit, getting an and one, which was called a hostile act, which was just ridiculous. But they attacked Rudy Gobert, which is something that no one on this roster did two years ago. So that aggressiveness not only remained from the scrimmage, but I think it even improved somehow. I mean, they, they are playing. This team is playing with a confidence. This team is playing with a swagger. This team is playing uh, with a chip on their shoulder that I really challenge you to match at home. Don't, don't continue to think that this team is just some Cinderella story. This is not Florida Gulf Coast in the NCAA tournament. They're not having a fun little ride here. They're a good team. Since Thanksgiving, they've been the third best team in basketball. Again, the season starts in October, so that means for 90% of this season, they've been the third best team in basketball. Embrace it for what it is. They are a good basketball team. They're a very good basketball team. This is not a Cinderella story anymore. It's really not. Since Thanksgiving, they've been a top three basketball team. So it was good to see the young players stay aggressive. And then Andre gets his first minutes in the first half. He gets five minutes. He gets in five minutes to go in the first half. Also plays for five minutes. He gets the Donovan Mitchell matchup. And I like that. I really do. At halftime, Mitchell had nine points, one rebound, three turnovers. Andre finished the half with a huge block. I mean, what in the world? I mean, he literally just took the ball off the backboard. It, it was impressive to watch that. He also got an offensive foul. Uh, it looked like a charge in real time. And then you found out that he got tripped by Joe Ingles, which is just ridiculous. Joe, I hate Joe Ingles. Uh, he's an annoying player. But I thought he took an offensive foul. I, think, I thought he took a charge. He didn't. He got tripped, and, and that's what happened there. Uh, he was still moving. So if, he, if it was going to be a block charge, it would have been a block. So Ingles tripped him. And got the offensive foul that way. But Andre still played well. And I know that it's kind of worrisome. He only played five minutes in this game. And he was playing 12, 15 minutes in the scrimmages. Uh, but in this game, of course, he got that block. He got the rebound. And he drew the offensive foul. My thing for this is there wasn't really a need to play him. If there is some minute restriction, if there is some um, cap on what he can do, you don't want to put that in there for you know, a 20-point blowout. But also, further than that, if there's no cap on him, it's still not that worrisome because this this game would not have told you anything about Andre. This game would have only told you what we already knew. He's proven he can play 12, 15 minutes. He's proven that. The scrimmages weren't some just 
track meet. They weren't just running up and down the floor for fun. He was playing good defense down low. They were There was a level of intensity there. Now, it was the backups playing with intensity, but still, it was intensity. He's already shown he can do that. He's shown he can play 10 to 15 minutes and defend a second unit. And in a 20-point blowout, that's what you would have gotten for most of his minutes. So there wasn't really a point to put him in there. Donovan Mitchell looked disengaged by the time that he got to match up on uh, on Mitchell. Mitchell just flat-out quit in this game, and I can't blame him for that. I'm not calling him a terrible player or anything, uh, but it is demoralizing whenever you go up against Lou Dort and Hamadou Diallo, and you get shut down, and then your teammates just simply cannot pick you up. I mean, the Jazz offense was standing around and watching Mitchell, and if Mitchell couldn't go to work, it was over. The game was over. And that's why I never took the Jazz seriously as a contender. And that's why I never was afraid of the Jazz. And I don't understand. And I think that people who coming into the bubble looked at the Jazz and said, oh, well, they can, they have a shot. They can, they're going to beat the Thunder in the playoff series or they're going to go to the second round. You were only looking at the win loss column, the current standings. That's all you were looking at. You weren't doing your homework. This team is a bad team. This Utah team is bad. So with, with Andre, I understand uh, that he only got five minutes and that it was kind of weird considering how much he played in the three scrimmages, I would say he couldn't prove anything in this game. So why play him? I mean, he, he's already proven he can play those meaningless minutes. You need him to show he can play meaningful minutes. So coming up, we're going to do the second half of this game. The first half, of course, was awesome. He led 66-42, to 42, and that gets everyone, everyone excited. But I want to tell you about our good friends over at CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete or a stay-at-home parent or if you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends over at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recovery combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arsena and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try our amazing duo and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD promo code NBA for 25% off your superior CBD oil products from CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So in the third quarter, the Thunder came out. They looked kind of disinterested. Uh, they, they didn't, they weren't really up for the game anymore because the game was so in hand and the Jazz uh, not only were down in this game, their body language was bad. They weren't really trying anymore. 
They kind of packed it in before halftime, but that did not stop Billy Donovan from calling his classic timeout when the Jazz went on like a 5-0, 6-0 run to start the half. He calls the timeout. They get regrouped. They come out. They run a beautiful pick and roll at Steven Adams, which just perfectly executed. And that really goes to show the biggest point in this game was, was how well Billy Donovan coached. And I know you look at that final score. You see how, how handedly the Thunder beat the Jazz, and you struggle to give the credit to the coach because it's a 110-94 win. What did he really do? But at every single moment in this game, Billy Donovan called the timeout at the perfect time. If the Jazz so much as got on a 5-0 run, Donovan would not only call a timeout, but he would run a beautiful out-of-timeout play to get you points immediately, to immediately get you back on the scoreboard. And that, again, it goes back to demoralizing your opponent. What do you, what else can you do if you're the Jazz? You go on this run, he, he calls a timeout to stop your flow of the game, and then he scores on you right away. And I love the rotation. I, I really did. I loved the rotation because – in a game in which you led by 20 points for most of this contest, but he still worked in the starters plenty. Like, Lou Dort got 30, Chris Paul got 27, Shea got 32, Baisley got 28. He's not a starter, but, you know, of course he's going to play more uh, given the blowout. Steven Adams got 27. Gallo got 19. And, and I think that it was what everyone needed. I think for Gallo, after looking disengaged in these three scrimmages, he comes out, plays a, a very good game. I mean, you, you couldn't go better than 15 points four rebounds, he, he played really well. Uh, for him, you don't need to see more than 19 minutes. You know the kind of player he is. You know what he can do on the floor. Uh, it's just a matter of letting him do it. And if he nails two more threes with 10 more minutes, does it really matter? I mean, why why push him whenever you know he's a guy who's spent this season load managing? I mean, he hasn't played on back-to-backs, uh, and you've tried to get, limit his minutes if you can uh, in, a, in a blowout situation. They did that for Gallo. Now for Chris Paul, he's still a veteran, but you you mixed him in there in those moments I'm talking about. When the Jazz would go on a little bit of a run, uh, you'd call the timeout, you'd get Chris Paul out there, he'd command the offense, he'd settle everything down, and then return to the bench. So it racked up to 27 minutes, but never did you look at Chris Paul and think, wow, he's really gassed out there. He really needs to take a break. Uh, he he is He's gassed. And I think that that is attributed to Billy Donovan and the way that he shuffled in the point guards and the way that he managed the rotation. And then for Steven Adams, 27 points, excuse me, 27 minutes, uh, 16 points. I just love the rotation. I love everything about this because you still were able to find 17 minutes for Nerlens Noel and try to get him back in a groove after, after missing that scrimmage with a missed COVID test. He's, he's a little bit behind everyone else because he did not get that game action. But still... The rotations were flawless to me. The out of timeouts plays were flawless to me. The timeout execution, you know, calling a timeout when you did was flawless to me. Uh, Billy Donovan coached a heck of a game. He coached a heck of a game. And he did it again in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, the Jazz got some momentum. I believe they cut it down to like 18 uh, or maybe even 16, something in that range. And then I was like, oh, what if the Jazz make a run here? Because it was early in the fourth quarter. I was like, what if the Jazz make a run here? And right on cue... Donovan calls a timeout, ends the momentum, and that was all she wrote for the Utah Jazz. Uh, but I did still want to talk a lot from, about this game because Shea, the pick and roll with him and, and Stephen Adams, we've talked about Stephen Adams' future on this podcast and how uh, it's really a choose-your-own-adventure book for, for Sam Presti. There's not really a wrong answer with Stephen Adams. Uh, and it really comes down to, do you want to re-sign him? Because if you want to re-sign him, great, keep him, obviously. If you don't see yourself re-signing him, 
what's the harm in trading him, really? Because he's right on the border, Adam says. He's not an old player by any means. He's also not a young player. So what is he going to be and how is this game going to progress whenever Shea and Baisley and whoever else you draft in the upcoming drafts are ready to truly compete? What is his game going to look like? But when you see Shea and Adams run the, the pick and roll the way they did yesterday, it, it's hard not to look forward to that being a staple of the Thunder offense. It's hard not to look forward to that being around and that being something more consistent. Uh, and then I didn't want to touch on Russell, Royce O'Neal because if you ever wonder why players flop, it's exactly what Royce O'Neal did yesterday. Um, Gallo on a, flat, on a fast break opportunity goes directly for the basketball. I mean, there's no doubt about where his eyes are, where his hand goes. Everything is moving towards the basketball to poke it away and stop a fast break. But they bump shoulders, and Royce O'Neal flops to the ground, gets up, and starts running and attacking Gallo as if he's going to do something, which he's not, by the way. Another fake tough guy in the NBA is Royce O'Neal. And all of a sudden now, the, the refs are going to review the play, and given the reaction of Royce O'Neal acting like he was going to go fight Gallo, and Gallo's like, what are you doing, man? I was trying to steal the ball. I don't know why you're running at me right now, but we can go if you want to. Royce O'Neal's flop right there not only created a review, but it created a flagrant one. The fact that that was a flagrant one was ridiculous, but in a closer game, that can be the difference. That In a close game, that extra free throw, that extra possession, whatever it may be, that can be the difference in what you're trying to accomplish and winning a ball game. So if, if all you have to do is flop and act mad to make a difference, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you flop if it's going to create refs to take you seriously, even when nothing happened at all. I don't, know how, I don't know how you can look at that review as a ref at the scores table and not realize that they're duping you. But they couldn't, and they gave him a flagrant one for Gallo. It was kind of ridiculous. And of course, we have to talk about Hamadou Diallo. So Hamadou Diallo was the first wing off the bench in both halves. He seems to have fallen into favor with Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan seems to love Diallo. He gets 20 minutes last night off the bench. Goes for nine points, gets you four rebounds, an assist, a steal. He was playing defense extremely well. And according to Basketball Index, he is one of the best shot disruptors in the NBA. He is one of the best shot disruptors in the NBA. He showed that yesterday in the first seeding game for the Thunder. Diallo was awesome. I mean, he was simply awesome as a backup wing. And we've seen the rotation kind of settle in. And the big question about this rotation was what happens when Baisley comes back. Baisley gets 28 minutes, and you see Nader plays three. You see that Ferguson plays three. Muscala plays two minutes. Burton plays zero minutes, which he's he's done. Burton is is canned in Oklahoma City. Uh, but Baisley and Diallo seem to be your guys. They seem to be your bench in the postseason. That seems to be your playoff rotation is your starting five. You'll get Noel. You'll get Baisley. You'll get Diallo. Hopefully you can get some Robertson in there, of course. Of course, Dennis, if he's back from having the birth of his kid. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Uh, that's all she wrote for the playoff rotation. And Diallo, to his credit, has stepped up. He, he's, he has stepped up in this big spot. Uh, so if he can stretch the floor even a little bit and shoot some threes, uh, given his driving potential, and then also his immaculate defense, which I think is kind of underrated at this point. Uh, he did get praise on the defensive end from Billy Donovan uh, in the media availabilities today. 
I, I loved everything I saw from Diallo, and I think that's the right choice to make him the first wing off the bench. Uh, Dennis got going offensively towards the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, but by that time, the game was in hand, and it was good to see the Thunder were able to execute without Dennis for most of this game. Now, Dennis played 21 minutes, and he got 13 points. He, did, he had a good game. Don't get me wrong. He had a very good game. But he doesn't get going until the end of the third quarter when the game was in hand and you've shown that your other guys can step up whenever he's gone. And I still am worried about Dennis leaving. I'm still worried if he has to miss playoff games. Uh, but I'm not as down on this team without Dennis as I was before this game. And in the fourth quarter, there's not much to take away from. Uh, Ferguson doesn't enter the game until uh, and Nader and, and, and Muscala again. They only got three minutes in this game. They don't enter the game until the game is literally over. Uh, there was a uh, fourth mainly was just a get me over fourth quarter. No one was interested. No one cared on either side, and I can't blame anyone for that. They were down 20 for – the Jazz were down 20 for like 90% of this ball game, and neither side just cared about the fourth quarter, and I don't blame them. Uh, Lou Dort got some point guard run. He looked good, threw an alley-oop pass to, to Noah's Noel. Again, I think that your best bet for the playoffs, if you don't have Dennis, is the stagger Chris Paul and Shea. And then Lou Dort gets like, you know, five, six minutes at point guard whenever they both need to rest. But still, it's nice to have that option of Lou Dort being your point guard. So after this, we're going to talk all about the three big things from this game, the MVP of this game, and how we performed on the bet in the money ball of the game. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. Years Again, 20 years ago, you still had no idea how to properly navigate the World Wide Web, but you could have been buying auto parts online at rockauto.com. Not only do they have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, I love their website. Their website is immaculate because I know nothing about cars. I, I don't know anything about cars, but when I go to their website, I can just put in my car, my make, my model, my year, and they'll tell me what's compatible with it. So there's no chance of me buying something that doesn't work. There's no chance of me spending money on something I didn't need. Because I'll know for sure if I buy this part, it's compatible, it's going to fit, it's going to serve me well. Because otherwise, I would be totally lost. And there's no point in going to a chain auto parts store. Because all they're going to do is order you a part online and then upcharge you for that part. Skip the upcharge. Go to rockauto.com and whenever you do, tell them Locked On sent you. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So we will end this game recap the way we will for every single game, and the Thunder win 110-94, the three big things from this contest. 
Number one, the team stayed aggressive on both ends of the floor like they were in the scrimmage play, which was huge for me because you are relying on young guys. Shea is still a young guy. Baisley, Diallo, you're relying on these young guys. Dort, they needed to remain aggressive whenever the games mattered, and they did, and they showed they can do that. My number two thing is the three-point shooting. The three-point shooting, if it can continue at this clip, at a 38% clip for the whole game, again, we mentioned how hot they got at the start of the game with a 50% clip in the first half. If they can shoot the three ball, I mean, this is legitimately a good basketball team. I don't know what to, what else to tell you because it, it feels like in Oklahoma City, uh, much less nationally, we're not we're not embracing this team the way we should. This They've shown us since Thanksgiving they're one of the best teams in basketball. If they've added that three-point shot, uh, as it looks like the young guys have, watch out for this basketball team. And then number three, life without Dennis might not be all that bad. Now, I've been kind of in the doomsday scenario with this Dennis thing, uh, saying that if Dennis misses you know, two playoff games, the series is over. You can just count that series out. They're not going to win that game. But with the resiliency of this team, with what we've seen from Lou Dort in a point guard role, what we've seen what we've seen from Shea in a point guard role without Chris Paul on the floor, what we've seen even from Baisley who can provide you a ball handler on the floor. So I'll say it like this. If you don't have Dennis for the first two playoff games, I don't think you're down 2-0 when he comes back. I don't think you're automatically down 2-0 when he comes back. I think there's a chance you can steal a game without Dennis after what we saw against Utah. And we'll see if that can continue on today against Denver, but... I did like life without Dennis. And again, we got to see that because he had three early fouls. He couldn't get into a rhythm offensively. And we saw other people step up in his absence. And we're going to need to see that whenever he leaves the bubble for the birth of his kid. We don't know when the kid will come. Again, last week, uh, his wife posted on Instagram would be two weeks. So we'll see around that timeline whenever he leaves. And now it's time for the MVP of the game. MVP right now. You're the real MVP. The MVP of this game, to me, is incredibly hard. It's a 110-94 win in which you can handpick four or five guys for this MVP award, and I would agree with you. And I, I got some responses on Twitter of Chris Paul, uh, Billy Donovan. There, were, there was a lot of other answers there. I, I don't know where I'm leaning with this. I will say Billy Donovan, as we mentioned, deserves a ton of credit. That's a very good answer because Billy Donovan did everything right in this contest. He managed everyone in every situation perfectly. I think that my MVP of this game, again, Chris Paul quietly gave you 18 points. Shea gives you 19. That's pretty well the season average for both those guys. And and this team played to the level they've been playing all year long. Steven Adams was awesome in this contest. 16 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, uh, two blocks. He had that veteran move to throw the ball off a jazz while he's falling out of bounds to retain possession of that basketball. Steven Adams was awesome in this contest. And if he can stay healthy through these eight seeding games and we finally see a healthy and aggressive Steven Adams in the postseason, that really does overhaul this team. Gallo who was disengaged in the three scrimmages, showed up in this game. Again, in only 19 minutes, he got you 15 points. If I was going to give it to a player, I would say Chris Paul. Because you you just look at the way he managed this game on the floor. He was a coach on the floor. He kept everyone in rhythm. He, he, he settled everyone down on certain situations where 
even though you're up big on the scoreboard, the Jazz were, were putting together baskets and you weren't. The Jazz were going on runs and you weren't. And he came in and he immediately fixed that problem. He immediately made an impact. But I do like the suggestion of going with Billy Donovan for the MVP. So the first MVP uh, since I've taken over Locked on Thunder will be Chris Paul. Chris Paul's my MVP. 18 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals. I loved everything Chris Paul did. And it was a joy watching him play as a plus 27 in this game, plus minus. Awesome game. Awesome game from Chris Paul. He's the MVP. Now the Moneyball pick, if you remember, going back to Friday was Shea Gildas-Alexander, and technically, I was right. With a four-way tie for two made threes, if you had Shea, Diallo, Baisley, or Gallinari, you were correct in the Thunder Moneyball, which is trying to predict who the top three-point shooter will be for the Oklahoma City Thunder in the specific game. And now, the bet of the day was also cashed in because it was free money with Oklahoma City minus one. Just beautiful. A beautiful game by Oklahoma City. I start out the season 1-0 in betting, and we'll try to do the same thing coming up later today against the Denver Nuggets. And let's preview this Nuggets game. So the Thunder are 1-0 in the, in the season, in the restart season, of course. We're not talking about what happened before this. In the bubble, they're 1-0. Denver is 0-1. Uh, they start at 3 p.m. on Monday. You can watch on NBA TV both teams got the benefit of the early tip-off on Saturday. So on Saturday, both teams played early. The Thunder played at 2.30. The Nuggets played at, I believe, 12.30. And the Nuggets got dominated by Kelly Olenek in the, in the Miami Heat. I mean, they got dismantled by the, by the Miami Heat. The Oklahoma City, of course, dominated Utah. So given the fact that we've seen these two teams play already, one look amazing, one looks awful, and they've both gotten the early tip time, uh, they should be accustomed to that for Monday. Here's what to watch for in this game. Number one for me is the Thunder three-point shooting legit. Because again, this is not a one-game thing. Uh, It's a four-game thing because in the three scrimmages, they were lights out from three. And then against Utah, they shot 38%. So can they continue to be a good three-point shooting team? I want to see that carry over against a long, lengthy Nuggets team. Can you still get your shot off? Can you still shoot from beyond the arc? Can the Thunder clean up their turnovers? They had 21 turnovers against Utah. And some of those were just natural sloppy plays where, hey, it's going to happen. You haven't played in four months. You're going to have some turnovers. Some of those were some mental mistakes by certain players. I want to see the turnovers get cleaned up, as does Billy Donovan. Uh, Will Andre get more minutes than five minutes like that he did against Utah? I think for Andre... This is an interesting matchup for Denver. They have a lot of lengthy guys that really you're going to need Andre on. Uh, Can he come up to the test? Can he play more minutes than five minutes? Uh, I think he can. I think if the Utah game was closer and if Mitchell had a better game and was more interested in playing the basketball game, you would have seen Andre on him a lot more and playing a lot more. He's already proven he can play some minutes. I think in this game he gets 12 minutes against Denver. I really do. Andre Robertson. Uh, My number, what is this, four thing to watch is Hamadou Diallo. He's looked good, man. He's looked really good in the scrimmages and in the first game. I want to see him carry that over to today. My biggest thing to watch for in the entire NBA is this is day five now. Monday marks day five. Are the refs still calling everything? Are they still slowing down the pace? Are they still ending all flow to the game? Can the refs settle in here? Can the refs relax a little bit with the whistle? I want to see what happens with the referees. My last thing to watch here is 
If Terrence Ferguson, Abdul Nader, and Mike Muscala cannot get more than three minutes in a game in which OKC was winning by 20 points the entire time, what happens in this game? This game should be a lot closer, you would imagine. Uh, and what really happens to those guys? Are they just done? If Dennis is active and if Dennis is playing, are they done? Are they a garbage time group? With Baisley back healthy, with Andre back healthy, are those three guys done? Are they kaput? What happens in this game on Monday? Because I think until Dennis is, is no longer in the bubble, you will see these guys only come in in a garbage time, get me over fourth quarter situation. But this game... I understand Denver got demantled, you know, got just absolutely destroyed by Miami. I understand that Jamal is still dealing with an injury for Denver. But this game should be a lot closer than the Thunder leading by 20 points the whole way. And if it's not, you should be celebrating. You should absolutely be celebrating what's happening in Oklahoma City if they can go in and just destroy Denver the way Miami did. So let me know on Twitter what your what to watch fors are in this afternoon's game against Denver. Uh, that's at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. And also let me know who your pick is for the Thunder Moneyball, which is whoever can make the most threes in a Thunder uniform tonight or this afternoon. I've got Gallo against Denver. He's going to go off from three-point range. He's going to make the most threes on this team, or at least tie for the most threes on this team. I think from now on, uh, we'll break ties by percentages. Or maybe that can't work either because, again, Diallo goes two for two and goes 100% from the field. So I don't know how how we'd want to break ties. If you have any ideas to break ties in Thunder Moneyball, let me know on Twitter. Again, at Ryland underscore Styles. But the keys to the game in this one, your guards have to be their length. They're going to throw you out Jeremy Grant. They're going to throw out Michael Porter Jr., who, who got into a lot of foul trouble against Miami. They're going to throw out these wings pretty much at every position. They're going to have wings. And you're going to have three guards a lot of the times. Again, it's, three yards is not just limited to tennis. Lou Dort's a guard. Lou Dort is a guard that's been a makeshift small forward type guy for you. Although Shea's been playing a lot of that small forward role. But even when it's Chris Paul, Dort, and Shea, you have three guards in that lineup. You have three guards in your lineup most of every single basketball game. So how does the three-guard lineup go up against a lengthy and long Denver squad? they have to still be able to get their shots off against Denver. And when these two teams play, it's been a great game every time. I think that the rebounding battle will be huge. Against Utah, you won the rebounding battle 47-35. to Can you duplicate that against a bigger lineup in Denver? Uh, it's still impressive to go in there and get those rebounds against Rudy Gobert, but can you do that against Denver? We talked about turnovers. They have to cut that number down. And again, some of those are going to come down automatically because a lot of it was attributed to rest and to just not being in a basketball basketball rhythm yet, but you do need to see turnovers could be cut down. So the three-guard lineup against the wings, the rebounding, and the turnovers are going to be my three keys to the game. If you have keys to the game, let me know on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. If you want to get involved with the bet of the day, if you want to get involved with the Thunder Moneyball, if you want to get involved with what to watch for keys to the game, you can either hit me up on Twitter or... Or if you don't have Twitter, email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. As of the time I'm recording this podcast right now, there is no line for the Denver OKC game. So when that gets put out, I'll put out the bet on Twitter, and you can keep up with how we're doing there. Again, so far, we're 1-0 in the bet of the day. I gave you Thunder minus one. They won. Hopefully, we turn this into a winning streak here with this Denver game. So that's the only 
piece of this preview we cannot complete as of right now. So check that out on Twitter. We live tweet every Thunder game over there. It's a lot of fun. So head on over to Twitter and find me at Rylan underscore Styles. Again, this is the only daily source for the Oklahoma City Thunder, your only podcast covering the Thunder every single day. Tomorrow, we're going to recap that Denver game and get you set for the Thunder's third seeding game. They're going by fast. This is like March Madness every single day. Like the first day of March Madness, whenever they're playing from noon to midnight, this is pretty much what basketball is. Right now, they're playing every single day. They start at like noon. They go to at least 10, 30, 11 o'clock. It's incredible right now watching the NBA uh, all day long. So be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow to recap the Denver game on Locked on Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.